0: episode of the sauce's Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what the influences are, and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half, we discuss the game they hit to promote, which in this case is Voodoo Vince
1: by Beep Games. Clayton, who Hello. are you and what do you do? I am Clayton Kozleric, and I'm, uh, I, I guess, the head honcho guy at Beat Games, which is really just a small, little, independent uh, developer that um, I've used for quite some time since food events to create small games, experimental things, just to sort of um, keep making games because I can't stop doing that. <laughs> it's, um um and uh, i'm also a creative director um, over uh, with microsoft global publishing there in their first party games
0: wow so you have two hats
1: yeah well one's, one's the kind of like the real hat and that's <laughs> that's the, the the day job if you will but that's yeah. what i do you know most of the time and then you know I, I because i apparently don't get tired of working on games all day at work i go home and work on them on weekends and evenings which is um very popular with with my family so
0: i can only <laughs> empathize a little bit because i i find games all consuming a little bit too consuming um not just video games either i'm going to share with you I, I play all sorts like i run mm-hmm. a D campaign every week on a saturday and things like that so i, I don't mm-hmm. discriminate uh, in video games if it's a game probably going to play it even if it's bad actually especially <laughs> if it's bad because you learn things from that but That's uh, true. yeah, it's um so. Yes, I, I endorse this sort of. It's games, everyone. They're awesome! Yay! So, <laughs> how did you make your start making video games?
1: And you can go as far back as you like. Oh wow! Um, well, I was a precocious child. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, oh, uh, we've had that. We've had. I was a fetus, <laughs> and yeah. my my mum sort of showed me the sort. Of, she, she was typing in code in her Apple, you know, two e, and like, oh yeah, I, I learned that from there. But yeah, sorry, carry on.
1: Oh, funny, I, I, you know, I, it is strange now. To, I, so many people I work with have, you know, grown up mm-hmm. playing games, you know, from from the day they were born. And yet, I, I think in my case, that was that would have only been like family board games and um, yeah. stri- strictly analog, uh, paper RPGs, things like that. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, and and it, when I was in, you know, school, it was only a handful of kids who had um, like Atari's and things like that. So it wasn't like it was widespread. I mean, if you wanted to see a video game, you had to go down to an arcade and, and you know, see the coin ops and stuff there, when they, which, you know, I did whatever I could, but it wasn't like something that I think was, uh, you know, in, in my DNA to this, to, in the same way that someone who grows up with, you know, with games today, uh, that I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting advantage, I guess, to be able to do that. It's, um, I started off As a graphic designer, though, um, and that was the first time I really worked regularly, like, actually using computers. It was a very old generation of mostly Macintosh um, technology Um, that was at a place, uh, kind of an interesting, weird little company that did all kinds of stuff, didn't really know what it was. But, hey, there was some gear sitting around, and I had a chance to say, oh, what's what's this thing, and just sort of started doing visual stuff. I uh, studied Animation, filmmaking—just actually traditional animation, like you know, like being working with cells and hand-drawn stuff, things like that. And um, when I was, you know, um, going to college, so it, it seemed like, oh well, I guess I'll see what these computers are all about, and started doing um, mostly really depressing graphic design work for corporate clients and things like that. You know, occasionally there'd be a fun logo or something like that you could do, where you might be able to do a little bit of design or illustration work, but mostly just you know, churning out flyers and 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 things like that. Um, but the whole time I kept thinking, oh, I want to work on something that uses these things I love doing, which involve, you know, like drawing pictures and, and telling stories and stuff like that. So uh, being in the Seattle area, of course, there's plenty of software and there are some game developers and I kept my eye out for things, um, applied for jobs that came along that I saw listed in this thing called a newspaper, which um, is when they would <laughs> grind up a tree and then and, and write down stuff that happened like within the previous 24 hours or so. Exactly. It yeah,
0: it's, it's strange. It's basically, kids, ask your parents.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so I'd, I would send in resumes. and I think the first job that really lo- looked like a good fit was you know, doing background art and you know, stuff. It was close enough to the things I was already doing as a graphic designer, but I thought, oh, I can do this. and I've got my background in animation. This will be great. Um, but you know, I'd, I'd go in an interview and they pass me up. I'd go in an interview again, and then and then I would just never seem to get the job. I, I finally set in a fake resume with exactly my qualifications, but a different name, thinking, well, maybe you know. Uh, although I crudely crossed out my the real stuff, so it was still obviously me, just to kind of be a little little funny about it. And that did seem to uh, amuse the art director at the the first job I ever had in in games. So I, I, I that did finally lead to getting hired. Um, and I think because it wasn't instead of Clayton Cosleric, I think I put in like you know Joe Bob something or other you know uh, for the for the name, and then my nickname became Clay Bob, and a lot, of, a lot of a lot of friends and coworkers workers still call me Clay Bob. So that's kind
0: of that's fantastic. So you were. Uh... Very much not from, because we have a lot of uh, guests on the show So oh, yeah, I, like I said, I jokingly said that we have uh, guests, oh, I've been coding since I was a, a wee, wee thing that I really shouldn't, didn't know how to add one-on-one, Yeah, you know, here I was coding. But you uh, went in from a, you know, graphic sort of visual aspect.
1: Which, yeah. Um, so uh, we, at what point did this happen? What year? Can you give us a time? Oh, um, first job in games was in uh, 1992. So I'd already been doing some graphic design work and other things like that. So I was uh, I was in my like just to date myself. I mean, I was in my late twenties at that point. So um, came to it a, a bit later than like people typically would today, for instance. You know, where basically you know when people come in to start working, they they look like uh, you know zygotes. They're <laughs> really <laughs> really young. Um, so uh, yeah, so that would that would have been uh, you know like twenty five years ago. That I, yeah, I, fun,
0: fantastic 20, time. To enter because really, yeah, a real interesting time. I've been looking at sort of studying this. I'm a massive retro gaming fan, and uh, some good things back then, some not so good. But uh, for for them, 1992 was Doom, wasn't it? And and, uh, and yeah that was Big all was, and start, and
1: stuff it like was that. all straight i remember people in the cubicle next to mine keeping their modem on all night so they could download doom you know <laughs> and uh and yeah everyone was doing it. we didn't really have there wasn't really an internet in the sense that we we know of it today no, so no. um, and i don't think there wasn't even a lan at the company i worked at it mm. was really just people walking around with uh, floppy disks <laughs> to uh you know, uh, to transfer files and share things. So It did it it
0: explode uh, over a very short period of time. So to, to It, be it even...
1: really did. Yeah, I think by the time I got to my next job, I, I think we finally had things like, oh, hey, there's, there's this web browser on, on my computer.
0: Yeah, I still remember <laughs> so, the article from Microsoft saying the internet will never catch
1: on, it's a fad. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: you know what? I'm I, I, I'm I'm going to stand by that. It's just <laughs> of course you will. <laughs> Apologies it'll, it'll it'll blow over. But
0: it's true. They do. they made their own network and they made their own enclosed space like CompuServe and
1: yeah. Yeah, and America Online, which is what most a lot of people were doing. You know, yeah. At the time, was everyone sort of tried to build their own little their own little you know.
0: Yeah, we had over work. here in the UK as well. They tried to do it. You no. Know. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna have to let us in. You're gonna have to. Okay, fine. So yeah, it's um, but no, fascinating time for me personally. I was playing in an Amiga, and then all of a sudden, everyone went, "You know, we're done with this. What was Doom? Oh, damn it!" <laughs> but I was liking this two D show. I know it's great, isn't it? But Doom, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that and Wing Commander although Wing Commander did arrive in Amiga so give it that but uh, yeah it's uh, it, um, a fascinating time but what I'm drawing to is the fact that the artwork and the presentation remember the big big boxes you could fit a family in for those oh, yeah. games? Oh yeah
1: those are those were awesome. I was just talking with um, a friend the other day about how you, you know you'd walk into the, the you know the computer gaming section of any number of stores, and it was just this wonderland of gigantic boxes, and they were full of maps, and they they weighed a, a lot. And there was that whole idea of like, ooh, this must be a great one. And it's just it's super heavy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was, and it's usually a flight sim with a manual that most flight instructors use to actually now use to. <laughs> fly planes with. Yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, That's right. Yeah. I, I think the most memorable one for me was the one for Tomb Raider. It was this big pyramid thing, and it had a big flat. Oh ball. yeah. It was yeah. absurd. <laughs> Did you do what any of that-, that work, or is that not? Is that another department? I'm just thinking your background. Did you? Come oh, that? Uh, I
1: think. I think by then, I mean, I, I worked on a number of. PC games, and uh, they were very early games. None of them very, you know, like super well known. I think there were some sort of um, educational games, where kids could make their own storybooks, and there were some things like that that I worked on at my very very first job, which was this very small studio um, near Seattle. Okay. And um, so, you know, yeah, there were there were boxes for those things. So there was the there was the thrill of going to the store and seeing the box of the thing I worked on. You know, it was that was that was cool. It was, um, yeah, that that physical presence is still something I think everyone still sort of sort of wants you know the uh the virtual goods are you know obviously taking over but i I think everyone sort of misses that the idea of that you know i can i can explore this thing i can read through it i can look at you know cool uh, you know materials that come with it or i can read backstory if there's a a cool little you know book or something it's 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 really interesting
0: yeah so moving to on to from that era very important one You then went into another ridiculous era of the mid-90s or the late 90s with the arrival of Half-Life, you know, and Bordersgate, et cetera, et cetera. Where where did you find yourself then and what happened?
1: Um, My second job was at Squaresoft. And they had um, originally had an office that they'd set up um, right near here in in Redmond, Washington, actually. And it was right down the street from uh, Nintendo's North American headquarters, which is also in Redmond. Coincidentally, next door to where I work today, Mm, Um, but at the time, uh, of course, Squaresoft was doing cartridge games and doing exclusively Nintendo Um, And so I worked on the Secret of Evermore game Which was sort of an attempt to take some of the Secret of Mana style of game, but make something more more American that would You know, maybe appeal to audiences uh, around here And so yeah, that was and that was continuing more of what I had done previously, which was, you know, since I'd done some console games at, at the previous job, I ended up, you know, designing tile sets and doing animation and, and kind of a, a, a lot of different things um, on on the game. And that was um, uh, very, very cool. It was, it was very interesting. So it, it was interesting that you were mentioning, though, like when, when Doom hit, you know, there was the there were the tremors, you know, in the force of, of 3D art and 3D games kind of taking over and becoming... Where everything was headed, and um, that 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 all hit. I think uh, during my second year at SquareSoft, our game I think was had just come out or was about to launch. Um, You could still play tons of games on the Sega Genesis, you know, Super Nintendo. But uh, then you know the the first PlayStation came out, and um, obviously that everyone knew that was it. That was that was it. I mean, it was just going to, it was going to change everything in consoles.
0: Yeah, you saw and that console demo, and I, oh, yeah. Okay, we're done. yeah.
1: And most most artists I worked with, we were, and um, you know, in SquareSoft, it was uh, very diligently training us up on on how to do 3D art instead. So you know, they they rolled in a bunch of um, Silicon Graphics workstations. We were all um, when we weren't playing uh, the amazing version of Battlezone that was cave installed with those. We were, you know, learning how to um, work with NURBS and uh, and splines and things like that because because at SquareSoft at least we were doing we were doing pre-rendered we were mostly creating sprites and other things out of um, you know rendered 3D um, art instead of so we weren't really thinking yet in terms of real-time 3D or runtime stuff like that although we all knew that was sort of coming as well.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, when I hear this story about when the PlayStation first arrived, people were sort of grasping the concept of um, creating well, sort of palettes, if you will. The sort of textures, yeah. there's the word I was looking for, textures. To, and I uh, was talking to one of the developers who used to work on the Wipeout games, and he told me this wonderful story where everyone thought that the speed of Wipeout was amazing. How did they manage to get this this working? And then he said, well, just because we blurred the textures. That's yeah. <laughs> what yeah. they did.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> to make it look like, what? Yeah, that's so what we did. So, just, so you were making it up as yeah we made it up as we went along I Thought why don't we just blur them to give the illusion that it's actually going faster than it really is <laughs>
1: that's funny yeah, it's, like, it's like drawing lines behind something to say look it's fast that's exactly <laughs> what they
0: did horrifying <laughs> as that sounds but that's, you that's probably, a great idea but it's a wonderful story it's like yeah that's 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 you all over isn't it Liv- Studio Liverpool that's what you do <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I and think, I think every studio kind of had their own practices, their own yeah. techniques. Um, I mean, there, there was almost no such thing as a, as an off-the-shelf engine. There wasn't anything like Unreal or, or Unity or anything really remotely like that at the time. So everyone had to kind of build everything from scratch every single time you built a game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs>
0: Assembly was king. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so obviously you moved on from Square and working... Amazing titles and games, and, and seeing through the PlayStation era, and then so what happened from then?
1: Uh, it was it was sort of back over to PC games okay. um, for a while there, and so I I think you know I moved on from being a background and animation artist to being a, an art director or art lead, um, and after after you know um, especially SquareSoft starting to make that huge shift, they were making over to. 3D console and opening other studios, they shut down the Redmond office. And then I, uh, a few weeks later, found myself over at Humongous Entertainment, which was uh, right up the road in Woodinville, Washington, right? Uh, kind of nearby where, where I was before. Okay. And that was the studio run by uh, Ron Gilbert, which um, mm. uh, was the time when he was working uh, you know, they were making uh, the junior adventures, you know, there's Freddie fish and putt, putt and fatty bear and a whole bunch of other, whole bunch of other characters. And there was this sort of um, skunkworks side project going on that um, was about maybe, hey, let's do some, maybe a game for for older, you know an, an older audience. Mm-hmm. and that was that was when I met Chris Taylor, who was working on Total Annihilation in a little room all by himself. And then I Joined him in the little room and we, and we, we prototyped and, and worked out sort of the ideas for what the game would be and how it would work. And then um, very slowly we started, you know, started adding team members. And then, of course, it was about, oh gosh, maybe a year, year and a half later, we shipped Total Annihilation. And that was, um, yeah, that was a good few years of working at Cape, what uh, became Cape Doc, which was the label they used for those games.
0: Well, I was a huge fan of those, so well done for that. Thanks for those. They were, oh, they were they were so much fun, and you did put the fun back into strategy. So thanks for that, because I felt that uh, some games were were lacking in that regard. And then it went full circle, and it went it turned into those weird grand strategy games, which now exist to to much applause. But at the time, it was like, like Europa Universalist, like, oh god, <laughs> this, yeah. this is this is a bit deep. I'm losing my mind. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's amazing how that went. But so. I'm gonna have to. With, with, you know, it's it's obviously you went on to you. You said you worked for Microsoft. When did that happen?
1: Um, that started in 2009, oh. actually. So I mean between between Cave Dog and Humongous, yeah. and you know that that's also the time where I went from you know being an art lead to being a uh, lead designer oh. and and a project lead as right. as well.
0: So you, you, as you were saying, um, you went from artist to to, uh, designer and then found yourself in, so, you know, 2007, that's an important point because that's when the iPhone arrived, oh God, and then that exploded. (laughs) And then the indie sort of, well, not the indie, but the the smaller scale game suddenly reappeared thanks to both Steam and and, uh, Xbox Live, yes?
1: Yeah, I think there are a number of avenues like that and, and, then, um, and then further down the road obviously things like Kickstarter also made it possible for, for people to sort of, um, you know, um, bootstrap their way. I mean, between, uh, between that job and Microsoft, I had my own studio for a while and that was Beep, uh, you know, where um, you know, we made the original Voodoo Vince and, and then I, I went, went on to make, oh gosh, Four or five sort of little puzzle games in you know, those smaller titles, um, uh, most of which I think I made with uh, Ron Gilbert once again. And uh, yeah, we were just kind of working on stuff together and, and pitching various ideas. And it, it was it was interesting because I look at those games and I look at the sort of pitches we had and I keep thinking, man, we missed we missed that window for Steam and all that other stuff by two or three years and 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 uh, or or even smartphones for that matter. Yeah. Um, it, 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 some of that stuff would have been like perfect for that. But we sort of, um, you know, he he went up to Hothead to work on Death Spank, which we we had created together during that time, and um, then yeah, I, I went I uh, for a couple years to Gas Powered Games um, and worked on some things again with Chris Taylor, and then after that, uh, so I'm just filling in that gap there. After that is when I uh, 2009 is when I ended up at at Microsoft, um, working as a design director on the, you know, mostly first party titles. Also worked on a little uh, sort of an experimental like incubation team, and we did lots of um, just cool little experiments, prototypes and things like that for a while too. So that was a lot of fun. And then they, they moved me on to, uh, um, I worked on some connect stuff for a while, learned about motion controls and things. And then, um, some HoloLens for about <laughs> almost three years, I think on HoloLens. Uh, and yeah, now I'm, I'm sort of back in, um, what you call like a regular, um, console
0: game like first party stuff right now um games are in a fantastic wonderful place in my opinion you may disagree but i think uh it's one of the most interesting eras we're in the middle of. The we can harp on about we have been doing a show harp on about the past yeah right now it's nuts uh, in a yeah. good way and it's re- you know my steam library is embarrassingly filled with games i've yet to play because i bought them on a the steam sound well it was only 50 pence chris you're never gonna play it but it's 50 pence you know, yeah. it's, you know it's just that that ridiculous you know and I, uh, a, a fellow um, guest uh, appeared on the show and i said i'll call it my pile of shame he goes no don't call it that call it your investment in the video game industry like, yeah
1: yeah that, that, that is it, it, true. it really is it's, it's like it's got all of the things we've ever played you know um all still coexist side by side in a way you never would have heard of. I mean, you can play an amazing uh, side scroller; those those still exist and they're amazing. Yeah. Uh, there there are ideas and narrative things and stories being told. I mean, that, I mean, I, I look at, you look at something like like Firewatch. Yeah. You know, um, how yeah, I was, I was, imagine pitching that to a publisher like you know fifteen years ago? They'd march you, <laughs> you out. Have, uh,
0: They'd ask you to leave the building after you've said the first sentence.
1: Oh. Yeah, exactly, and, and yet now, and, and I think a, a big part of that formula is now the people making the games can find their audience, whereas before you were kind of constrained by, you know, the traditional ways of manufacturing and marketing and doing all that stuff. Okay. And I think uh, and now it's sort of this really interesting sort of a two-way communication now that's just astonishing. And
0: what's also astonishing is that what you just described—the old marketing—that's still there. It's still mm-hmm. happening. It hasn't gone away. Mm-hmm it's just watching side by side with this other crazy stuff that those people who manage that cannot fathom and that's great yeah it's, that's fine it,
1: it is interesting to watch um, because you know I've been at this for a while you know everyone trying to figure out like how what to do as, as as the you know the ground shifts under your feet and and the changes come along so quickly and you know what people where people buy games and what they cost and everything are all just wow it's it is yeah, like I said, it's it's it's, I think mostly almost entirely good, but there are obviously um, adjustments to be made. In that you know, I think the the giants, you know, giant games that are sold and made in very traditional ways will be with us, I think, forever. Um, what it feels like is like that middle ground. It has sort of disappeared. You're either going to do some, something that's, you know, kind of independent and small, but that that kind of mid game, mid size studio that used to kind of make up a lot of the game industry seems to be almost gone now. Yeah.
0: You know, see the. Either- Ridiculous, massive budget, far too many people making the game. Oh look, look at yeah. the state of it. Or sometimes it's amazing, like here at Zero Dawn, or something like that. that's amazing. Yeah, uh, so you know you're or, or working on Halo, yeah. you're working on
1: shop Knight, you know. So it's uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> and then on the other side, you get things like you know, um, uh, like you say, uh, well, Papers, Please, it was made by one man, you know. And there's a game yeah. now, if you pitch to someone like, go away, Just, no one wants this, go. <laughs> yeah. Get out of my office now. Yeah, and get help. Yeah, get help as well. (laughs) Instead, it becomes one of the most uh, pivotal games of recent years. Um, Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to ask you now, uh, it's one of my favorite questions, but difficult for guests to answer. But I'm going to have to, Mm. it's a bit nebulous as well, but bear with me. Is As Mm -hmm. a creator of, of all these years, what do you think has influenced you the most?
1: Oh, Wow. You know, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, i it's sort of a mix. It's like sometimes there's a flavor of the week kind of thing that happens where I'll I'll play a game and I'll just be so uh, taken in by like, wow, look, look at this amazing thing they did with how they do their missions or look at, look at this amazing uh, UI they've done. Or, and, and yet I, I guess I'm trying to think back to something that's more fundamental than that. And it, it really does come back to some of those like, you know, earlier experiences when you know especially when console games started becoming truly epic you know in terms of like playing Zelda playing Ocarina of Time
0: yeah
1: and and it's 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 gonna sound kind of strange and this is this is very you know uh, this is nebulous (laughs) (laughs) but but there are those moments where you realize you've kind of forgotten about the real world and you know I'm not talking about virtual reality I just mean the idea that I'm so absorbed in the worlds they could create you know i think the first time you're you're outside you know high castle up in the the hills you know and the sun comes up and you know the color shift happens in the sky and you you hear a rooster or something and you just um, have this sense that wow the sense of a time of a place of a, of you know that 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 atmosphere is something you know which you know we could we could only have maybe dreamt of you know when when we were doing really simple pixel games and we had we had to imply a lot when we had very limited art resources and even by today's standards the stuff i'm describing is super crude but i, I don't know I, I think the idea the 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 ability of of games to transport you to um you know or or to you know make you you know feel something it's it's um i, I think that drives a lot a lot of what i do i mean i i, I think it's still that the game is not going to stick with you unless it has some really really good mechanics and and, and has some something we could call fun but um, I, I think sort of as, as an art form as, as something that can um, you know maybe show us what it's like to be somewhere else be someone else uh, I still think that's the most powerful thing about this medium
0: I see so what you're saying is that what the one thing that's given you impetus to carry on after all
1: this time is to
0: create. Worlds for others to experience.
1: And th- I, I think, yeah. I, I, ideally, and, and you don't always, uh, you know, it's not always possible to do that. Not every game has that opportunity. But I think, as much as possible, I think of the, you know, the, the, your, your characters, your your main character. I mean, I, I mean, not to not to segue to Vince too much, no. but we always thought of the setting as sort of being indivisible from from Vince himself. You know, the, that the world he was in is is as much, um, you know. The character of a game, as as Vince is, mm-hmm. and and I think um, when that's done right, and you get a chance to really, you know, pursue that idea, it's it's. It, I think that can make can make games truly really great.
0: So, I mean, that's that's something I really empathize with because I'm a big explorer. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons I played well WoW for so long, not because. I, you know, uh, because I wanted to get the best loot and stuff like that, although it's a wonderful driver for World of Warcraft. The mm-hmm. reason I played it is because I wanted to see everything. Everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Everything. And the only way to do that, the only reason I raided, not because I wanted the loot, is because I wanted mm-hmm. to see the dungeons. I wanted to see them. But the only way I could yeah. see them was being part of a 40-people f- raid monster thing. And yes, everyone, I did that. You know, 4- 40, 4-0. Yeah, <laughs> and I did that, <laughs> and I even led some of those as a priest. Don't do that, everyone. Don't do that. It's bad. <laughs> um, but you need you need help. I did,
2: and I stopped. The only reason I stopped
0: is uh, is I've finished it. I'd seen everything. My mm-hmm. character is Belisha Beacon of Glowiness. It was just. He was glowing, and other things were glowing off of him that were glowing, and like I think we're done now. I can't even see his face anymore; it's just glow. So yeah, um, that was a reason. And so yeah, I can only thank you on behalf of everyone to, to you know. It's one of the reasons I like reading fiction, although literature's you know not for literature, but um, you know facts, history is also fantastic and sometimes far, far mm-hmm. stranger than anything people can invent, especially. Um, uh, read a book recently on the first world war and that was just terrifying how that happened um but uh it's 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 just uh, you're right it, and it's wonderful to to know that there's the one thing that's driven you well one of the major things right at the core of it when you re- reach down into the center of you you realized it's making stuff to, for other people to
1: experience and then
0: whether it be a simple puzzle game right through to through events, if you will, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's all there yeah
1: yeah and i i, I guess i if I, i'm just thinking about about different projects because it's funny i don't know if i'd given that a whole lot of thought <laughs> i'm just not introspective enough <laughs> <I just laughs> welcome to <the> show <laughs> I've, been, I've been too busy to think about why i'm doing this yeah, now you know. <laughs> um but i was thinking about um yeah even as far back as total annihilation that's the, i think the first time i had a chance to work on the idea that we're going to create a world that has at least some some logic to it some some cohesion to it and um uh, I, I wrote the original premise for the, for the game, and it is paper thin. <laughs> it is just a, a handful of sentences that, hey, these guys want to be robots. These guys don't. Let's fight. Let's you fight. Know? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but the, the thing that came out of that that I think really helped keep the game alive for as many years as it, as it was still being actively played and modded yeah. is the fact that it was, it was a framework that was simple enough that people could sort of write themselves into it. You know they it, it, it didn't have to be this you know this amazingly dense you know uh, lore because the people playing the games provided that they ended up writing you know fan fiction and all kinds of kinds of stuff just around that you know very very simple present you know premise so it doesn't have to be like you know you you go crazy writing an encyclopedia about your world I think it's just giving people something that they can either identify with or sort of see themselves reflected in some way that they just want to keep being a part of it
0: so well, next question then is also quite hard for developers' answer because they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But I have to ask you: mm-hmm. What developer do you most admire in the industry, and why?
1: Oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny because you know, talking uh, you know a little while ago when we were talking about just this variety of things, I, it it almost feels like I could break that up by different reasons and point out. Different studios, yeah. you know, for that. So I don't know if there's any single studio right now that I, I, I look at and say, one, "Yep." But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I can see. I can't. Oh, see, I can. I, I guess you, you could talk. Do, do they have to exist now?
0: <laughs> no, it doesn't matter if, it, if they've, they've obviously still working. Maybe, in some capacity, but uh, maybe not the studio itself, but the the alumni of said studio, but
1: yeah well I, it, yeah, so it's it's I, I'm, I'm going to narrow it down to things like uh, the things that like made me want to run out and start a studio of my own, and you know and, and I think at the time, I was looking at the sorts of games that were made by shiny um, or or rare. Or places where there's some humor, there's some color. Um, you know, there, there's obviously the, it's obvious the people who make the games loved what they were doing. You could really tell you know, by by when you when you when you played those games. Um, that's the reason I named my studio Beep. I wanted something simple. You know, I mean, um, a lot of game studios felt like they had to get you know something really ooh look look at us we're so we're so weird and funny ha huh? you know and, and I just wanted something simple because I liked. I liked the games from those studios that were making, you know, these these amazingly creative games. You know, even though even though their names were very very simple.
0: <laughs> yeah, to make so, oh we make shiny games why? Because we're shiny. I mean, yeah, for uh, me, I think one of the most celebrated but forgotten games is uh, Sacrifice. Oh uh, yeah, only game that was. it yeah. Remains to this day, but you ask anyone about it, like no
1: idea what you're talking about. Yeah, That's and they, they were they were kind of early, also sort of hybridizing different types of gameplay, which you know. Yeah. We do every day now in yeah. games. At the time, kind of like back to what you could pitch or couldn't pitch fifteen or twenty years ago. Well, you had to know exactly what genre your game was, or yeah. you, you were never going to get anywhere with it. And, and you know, oh no, you can't, you can't mix and match types of gameplay. No, we can absolutely do that now. I mean, yeah. I think that's part part of that's how gamers and the audience and you know and development tools have matured. But uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I don't know if I really answered your question, I guess. But I, I guess I like places that had you have a lot, a lot of colour integrity you know there's a lot of things around the games that I really really enjoyed you know
0: right. so those people who pushed things and went to places where all the uh, naysayers going no this is a bad idea don't do this do do what everyone's doing for the past 10 years no yeah. then, then it will eat itself yeah but yeah. look at all these profits That <laughs> they will go away if, never mind <laughs> so.
1: uh, yeah I mean, uh, I mean on the list I would definitely have to put Double Fine uh, you know I, yes. I think um, you, you see, you know, you, you look across the range of things they've done. Always interesting. Everything's very different. They're they're not afraid to try new things. They're they're not just they're not just turning a crank, you know. And and out comes the next version from that's based, you know. Uh, it's uh, you know, and and yet it's also you know it's it's a it's a tough existence to you know yeah. go from project to project and continually trying to adapt to new business models and technology and stuff. that is very difficult to do as a as a smaller you know studio. But um, but I, I guess that that's one thing I respect: are the, the people who kind of keep their um, keep the vision for what they are. They know who they are, and they're you know, and that's consistent, like just game after game.
0: Yeah, and some yeah, it's uh, they're all different, very different to each other. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's quite an impressive feat. The last question now of the first half, um, and it's it's my favorite question uh, because it gives me an insight into what you what makes you tick a little bit. What are you playing right now?
1: Uh, I'm catching up a little bit. I mean, I, I spent a lot of my free time during the uh, creation of um, the Vince Remaster, you know, sort of uh, not playing games. I was, you know, working on the game on a lot of evenings and weekends. So right. I'm trying to get back into Breath of the Wild uh, and uh, also playing Mario Kart. So I'm playing some, playing some Switch stuff right now.
0: Yeah, lovely and machine, isn't
1: it? I really like it. Yeah. I like... Uh, yeah, you know, back back to the idea that it's like, oh, it's just bright and colorful and simple, and it it, it also um, evokes all, all that history that comes with with those IP that you know have been around forever. So yeah, um, I'm doing a I guess a fair amount of that when I when I am playing, and then, um, you know, don't don't tell my friend Ron, but I'm still trying to finish Thimbleweed Park. So you know, I was going
0: to ask about that. He demoed that to me <laughs> at PAX East. Uh, lovely man, uh, and uh, it's great to, to chat to him about the game. He's p- clearly put a lot of heart and soul into and, uh, it, and uh, it looks like a pointy-click adventure, smells like a point click adventure, but isn't one, in my opinion. I think it's much mm-hmm. better than that. It's much better designed. It doesn't uh, suffer from the problems of ca- uh, pointy-click adventures from the past, which thankfully have now very much died away. Um, yeah. a, a lot of people have learnt lessons of not doing puzzles that are only the just the person who made the puzzle in the first place could possibly solve, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically what happened. You know, people just there was no logical link between the the lines of inquiry; it just couldn't work, so they mm-hmm. couldn't solve them. And then they killed the game, the whole genre. Uh, yeah. There were many other reasons why it died as well, but that was the core of it: is, is that they became too esoteric and
1: obscure. Yeah. And it's also possible that I think, yeah, besides really bizarre, like, unintuitive puzzles or it turns into this just pixel hunt, you know, to, <laughs> where's, the inner, where's the object that does something in the room? Yes. You, just wait, you know, the, beyond that, I think sometimes uh, I think the genre started taking itself too seriously, you know, yes. and, yes. and, and I, I, I think there's just the the humor, the sarcasm, the other things that we, you know, that those classic adventure games had that he, well, he obviously did keep, you know, in, in Thimbleweed, which, uh, man, it's so, it's so great.
0: Yeah. So, that's the end of the first half well done you made it oh <laughs> good job. thank you uh, we've got <laughs> the first mini boss now that's done with. now we're going to go on to the main core of the show we'll dive into the second half of the show with Voodoo Vix. Voodoo Vince
1: is a 3D character platformer starring Vince, a uh, voodoo doll who comes to life and is immediately tasked with finding and saving um, his creator, um, uh, Madame Charmaine. So it's set in uh, kind of a spooky cartoonish version of, of, uh, of an area like based on New Orleans and the bayou and the, the, the countryside around, around that, that part of, of, uh, of, of the United States. And, uh, in most ways, I, it's a pretty straightforward 3d platformer. You, you do, you know, you run, you jump, you fall in bottomless pits, you solve puzzles, you know? So, I mean, as far as like just the moment to moment sub, I think there's some, um, you know things that are very familiar to anyone who just knows the genre, and there were a bunch of games kind of a, of of that type, you know, from from that era. So it, it it will be familiar territory if you haven't if you haven't seen it or played it before. Um, there is this idea with Vince that you can um, do bad things to him that can in turn hurt the monsters around him, which kind of drives you know some a number of puzzles, uh, some boss battles, and there's just kind of a, this general system of hey let's just have funny mayhem just things that bad things that happen to him that we can then show happening to the to the monster so yeah it's kind of a kind of a i guess i'm really rambling along now that's (laughs) That's fine it's quite that that part of the answer and uh yeah yeah so it came out in 2003 Mm -hmm. for for the original xbox and had not seen that had not seen a reissue of any kind until um last month when we uh launched the remaster on xbox one and uh, windows 10 and steam
0: yeah it's uh, an amazing amazing feat i've been playing it on my my pc actually i have a steam link uh, um, box that throws pc games onto my large telly in the living room which is lovely <laughs>
1: and uh, are, you, uh, are you playing with a controller or a yeah, keyboard
0: yeah now? yeah that's yeah. yeah. no, controller but it's the steam controller so it works fine mm-hmm. And uh, but also, a
1: Steam controller is it, is it good with the Steam controller? Sorry, I have to ask.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, you do. Uh, it does work exceptionally well with it because it doesn't. The, there's not a lot of complex controls with the game, so <laughs> you know there's not a dual stick sort of thing going on with it. If there is, then it really wouldn't work. But uh, it because the, the touchpad on the on the thing, but it does actually <laughs> work quite well. But I used it also with uh, an Xbox One controller as well on my PC, which is also plugged in on a permanent basis. Uh, because I'm one of those people who still who now play FPSs with a uh, controller, unless it's Doom. I, I still played a new Doom with a mouse and keyboard because it made sense. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, back yeah, to the, yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's 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 a glorious game. I remember it from the original Xbox. I still have my fun, fully functioning original Xbox. I don't know how it's still going, but it is, wow. uh, and it's still. Yeah, I actually played streamed MechaSort on it about a month ago. It was good fun. Um, but was great. It was awesome, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and um, but I want to ask you because you haven't really delved into that, and it's a, it's a the first question I need to ask before we go into the the real crux of the the game itself. Is 14 years <laughs> is a long time in video games, as we've already <laughs> established. It's a really long time, actually. Um, so what have you done from the original Voodoo Vince that was out back in 2003 to here mm-hmm. it is again, 2017? Without undermining its core premise or its core magic, if you will, what have you done to uh, uh, what have you done to it to bring it up to date, if anything?
1: Um, very little. I mean, in terms of the game, in terms of the gameplay, the game logic, how it works, yep. um, his inputs and controls, we kept all of that um, exactly as it was. We didn't really change you know, any, any of those things at all. Um, this was undertaken independently. I mean, it was something uh, I worked on with uh, basically a, a team of four people. You know did did the remaster so we had to be strategic you know we had to be careful about the things that we we chose to do with the game so we knew we could update certain things we could change you know and we had we had to go in just to get the game to compile just to get it to run again we had to rev it through a number of generations of DirectX <laughs> <laughs> and um, and speaking of assembly uh, which you mentioned earlier I that was you. all of our shaders were written in assembly so all of those had to get. I mean, a, a, a great deal of the rendering of the game had to be replaced. And while we're at it, of course, we're going to you know bump it up to 1080p. We we're we'd like to have a, you know a better frame rate. All those other things that kind of come with oh, newer yes, hardware. Oh yeah, it's
0: much smoother now, I and mean, you can see a lot better. It's it's crazy. Yeah, you,
1: really you can crisp. see you can see some jokes we never thought anyone should see. So <laughs> <laughs> um, so far, no one's complained, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we we always had a, a like a tombstone for um, Phil Spencer in 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 the original game. It was there, but no one ever really noticed it or saw it or read wow. it. Um, partly because it's sort of blurry and it's off in a corner somewhere. But hey, now now, now the names on all of our tombstones are nice and crisp, so people can <laughs> people can and you know. So I know some people were making a kind of a big deal about that, but now it was there 13 years ago.
0: Yeah, people um, don't re- remember. Because they they think that all those games at the time oh yeah it's really clear and crisp and we play them now and like why is it all so fuzzy? Because they had no memory. It's they, they, yeah. they couldn't do what they do now. You take it for granted all this 1080p stuff and beyond 4k etc. It's like yeah. you know oh isn't it all like no it wasn't never no it wasn't no yeah
1: it, I mean, it's it's not you know it's sort of like um you know like the way symbol weed. Isn't isn't really a, a, an old adventure game, but you might think you might think they were like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in your in your memory, you know, yeah. you kind of embellish things, and you and you're, in your own sentiment, your own you know uh, nostalgia, kind of makes you feel like oh, it was this great, you know. Well, yeah, it, it was great, but um, there are yeah. some things you sort of have to do that are just expected now um, of games, and and you have years of advancements, not you know, and how you render stuff, and you know how how controls and inputs work that you can take advantage of. Um, so, I, I think I wanted that without compromising the original. And, and I, the way I've often framed it is I wanted to do sort of a restoration job, you know, like taking a finding, a, you know, an old painting or something that's been covered with grit in an attic. And then the idea that you want people to, just to appreciate what it was and, you know, and, and how it's maybe how it seemed <laughs> to them, even if it's a, a little better in some ways than, than it was. Um, and that that was basically what we decided, you know, given our size of our team, the resources we had available, um, and and there's a slippery slope. I mean, I've got 14 more years of game design experience. I would love to go in and just tear the game apart. (laughs) I would love to change. Um, But I knew once I started that, that I probably it (laughs) it, it would be that or or it would take another year or more and as something that I self-funded you know I also had to be careful I had to you know like you know sort of you know count count my pennies make sure that what I was doing would get you know a a credible reissue of the game that no one had seen for like 13 years you know back out there where people could see it again without um, breaking the bank or selling my house or um, you know uh, making sure my kid could still have uh, food and toothpaste and things.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. So, so, yeah, that's kind so of this, important. Kind of. Kind yeah, of. so a, yeah, it's kind of a balancing act,
1: I yeah,
0: guess. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. well, let's establish that. It's that. fantastic. You, you, you did truly is everyone a remaster? That's exactly what we mean. So a remix <laughs> or a reinvention to remaster. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. the core abilities of Vince are mm-hmm. presented to the player very early on. Um. Which I find sort of refreshing, in whereas many games. Oh no, you've got amnesia. No, you've got we discover your powers. Blah blood <laughs> um I'm looking at you, Assassin's Creed. Um, so with, <laughs> so, but you do get additional powers as the player progresses, with the with regards to, you know the the icons and the things that he picks up, his special items. Um, mm-hmm. Was that always a conscious decision to give practically all the abilities to the player from the outset? Was that always
1: going to be the way i think so i mean i i know that we all you know we're we're in an age now where we're where especially system design is so much better you know and 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 deeper and and the idea of like creating like you know these these the grinds and things like that that you can you can unlock or that you can use or that you know better strategy and tactics can be used in, in, in a game and I, I think I wanted this to just be a, you know, simple, straightforward, you can know, run around and do stuff and it's, and, and it has some, you know, um, gives, gives you some sort of sense of reward, but, but doesn't really, you know, make you jump through too many hoops to get to it. Yeah. Um, uh, except for the literal hoops you do jump through because <laughs> <laughs> it's a character platformer, but, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's, it, it's um, uh, it, it's a sort of thing where i I think looking back on it now I, I I wish I could have made the the you know the promise of the idea that you heard Vince pay off in other ways or or um, be more varied or give the player more choice along the way. Mm. Um, and the fact is we tried a couple of systems. We had other combat systems in the game early, and it was a thing where I think it could have like sort of you know it could have paid off if if we kept working at it, but we also had time and budget constraints then as now, um, you know, the, uh, the idea that we're hitting our milestones and we have to ship a game. We have, a, we have a publisher who's busy, you know, doing play tests and things like that. And, and, um, you know, most of that was all, I think, pretty positive, but there's a point at which we had to sort of draw a line and say, okay, we're, we're going to have this thing. They're just going to, you know, the, the voodoo powers are really just you know, smart bombs. They're just going to clear out a bunch of enemies. If you have enough of them, you might be able to chain those together and do relatively little traditional punching and fighting in combat which you can do in some parts of the game later in the game but but mostly we wanted to be just sort of sort of an option you, you can collect them you don't have to collect them i've heard of people finishing the game with um like three health you know bars and and and, and really just the one voodoo power container you start with um so it i don't know I, I guess i wanted to make it possible to get through sort of a main path if you weren't obsessive collector but you can still go and get all that stuff and and be much better off when you you know when you end the game
0: yeah Um, I I, when I'm an Explorer I use things like um, power enhancements to make my exploration easier mm -hmm. so that's what I do it's a means to an end I'm not sort of I'm not a big collector I mean I didn't do the pigeon thing on GTA 4 because that's Mm -hmm. insane but I did (laughs) you know play through GTA 4 because I wanted to see what happened at the end. And similar with games like Video Vince and other things, platformers, action adventures, I call them. Um, it is a, ultimately, it's a platformer, but I think it's more of a, an action adventure game because there's lots of story and few things going on. And Vince Vang saying some very, very, very funny things, which we'll come on to later. But uh, <laughs> I want to ask now, and this is a, this is a very, maybe a pointed question to you, Clayton. I hope you don't mm-hmm. take it that way. in the last 10 years something very odd happened um the barriers of entry to video game creation dropped significantly thanks to the arrival of game maker and unity etc so you have games Mm -hmm. like you know hotline ma'am and things like that appearing made entirely out of these very very high level languages but what's really Mm -hmm. prevalent is the 2d platformer they're everywhere and i'm just wondering how do you think now, 14 years later, the Voodoo Vint sort of sits in that, that pantheon, if you will, that, that, that grouping, is it?
1: Where is it, I, if it's um, anywhere? I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I think it's still... I, I would ultimately put it back in the world of, you know, sort of late 90s, early, early 2000s of, of, you know, 3D platformer, and, and I guess... Um, you know, over-the-shoulder 3D is really different than side scroller. Yes. Um, to, to to the point that I, I really do consider them very very different kinds of games. Um, and, and again, we, we hybridize all the time. We go in in and out of those modes in in games all the all the time now, and and that's fine. But I I think you want the the pixel perfect, you know, amazingly challenging platforming. You really want a side scroller for for that. You know, whereas yeah, where where if you you know exploring, clamoring, looking around. Um, you know, like being in the giant theme park you have created, that that's a 3D platformer. Yeah. And, yeah. And so, I mean, so I still see it sort of belonging to that other class of game that was really kicked off with Mario 64, you know, and continued on for a good oh gosh, what, almost like I'd say 10 years or so. Um, yeah, you have you know, and, still, really and they still exist, and they're still beloved, but it's, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, and I mean, I, I, Rayman 2. Rayman Two on Dreamcast. That that was probably the single most influential game. That that um, as far as me feeling like, man, I really want to make a game like this. You know, um, I mean, I've been playing everything exhaustively, all the platformers that were out there. But that was one where I looked at and I thought, you know, the um, the size of it, the scope of it, is just about right. You could do it with a team that's not too big. You could have some fun with it and have some express some really you know ideas and put some humor into it. Um, and in a way, I, I think I remember even counting the number of people in the credits, and thinking, oh, okay, that's that's about the, the team size.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and, then yeah. we, and then when I was, we were scheduling, planning, and budgeting when we had, because we had to, of course, present all of that to a publisher. Um, that I think uh, that that's that continued to be the basis for what, what we were looking at as as far as scope, you know. And if you look at Rayman, too, even the way he hovers when he's in the air and landing, I absolutely stole for Vince's, you know, hover land. um,
0: Yeah, I mean, the jumping on the heads of things is like, yeah, that's what you do in... in in platformers, certainly. Uh, so, well, uh, except Boo <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, you do you do the hovering, and you jump on him, and then you you do.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You, then you can you can sort of uh, head slam. But yeah, it's yeah. it's funny that's still yeah. still the first thing a lot of people try is to actually hop onto the head of a monster. Then no, you got to yeah. slam.
0: I, I mean, when I I've heard, so, yeah, sorry. yeah, when I mean no, um, being British, so our sort of and you know this anyway, you've been around a long time. The, the I've, I've found this quite amazing how. America and Europe's um, evolution of video games was basically split for decades until <laughs> PlayStation arrived. Up until then, we were doing our own thing because <laughs> yeah, like, we were yeah. playing on BBCs and Spectrums and things like that. We were playing, making Jet Set Willy and these weird, wonderful computer games, whereas you oh, were yeah. playing NES. And only now, Americans are going, what the hell was that? <laughs> and yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're now yeah. recognising, like, what's Jet Pack What is that? And like that? Oh, yeah. yeah, that game was awesome. Like they play it now. And they go, oh, <laughs> so you didn't have a NES? Yeah. No, not really.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and you know it's interesting. I think, I think uh, well, Rare Replay opened the door for a few of those titles. It did. It did. Yeah, it was, it was really great to be able to see playable versions of those things. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. it's so
0: hard to get Spectrum to work in the US. It's nigh on impossible because they're built for one nation, really. But um, <laughs> it's very, very strange. But anyway, we're veering off a little bit off topic but what i was trying to get to you is that here we have a game from from that era that has been remastered that has the sensibilities of that era whereas we have 14 years of game development since then of design development well, to keep mm-hmm. on impressing on people, especially retro gaming fans and, and aficionados, like it 's great. I know you like this old stuff. That's fine, but you're ignoring the brilliance and the amazing development that's happened in the last twenty to thirty years, where you get games like Axiom Verge and stuff like this that look mm-hmm. ostensibly like in the, in the, like like sixteen uh, bit games, but really they are they're, they're not. They're really not. Mm-hmm. No sixteen bit yeah. machine yeah. would be able to make one of those pixels move. The way it does, because it would just grind it to a halt; it would die. Like, no, right. I can't do this. I can't
2: do this. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, it would just be a flickering mess of horror, wouldn't it? Really, it would be. Yeah, but um, no, that's what I was trying to get at: is that it doesn't matter. The core of yeah. the game is still fun. It's still brilliant. It still has that sense of you know what. I've, and also, the previous question is all about that. Is like, here is the tools. There you go here's all your tools here's what you need to know off you mm. go and it's wonderful and that's and that and i do think that's some one of its strengths and it's why i liked it back then and it's why i like it now it's why i'm talking to you now about it so i'm really happy to talk about oh, it. great but the last question, question i've got for you is something mm. that i've always been fascinated by in video games is that we're just not very good at humor really <laughs> Um, we're really good at doing brown things and post-apocalyptic sort of things with monsters trying to chew your face off and stuff. like. That. We're great at that. We're doing it for decades. <laughs> but we're rubbish at f- being funny. Yet, I believe Voodoo Vids is ostensibly funny. Not by accident mm. you actually set out. Was that always its intention or did it just evolve that way?
1: I, I think we we knew we would have to... Have humor in the game; mm. uh, otherwise, otherwise the voodoo powers would become very quickly disturbing, yes, or 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 off-putting. And in fact, one of the very first combat systems we had, um, you know, that I was mentioning earlier, was one where Vince was always hurting himself one hundred percent of the time. Right. And and after you know maybe ten or fifteen minutes playing that, you sort of start feeling bad. Yeah. <laughs> It like kind of feels feeling sorry for him, Poor and, and, and not, yeah, he didn't deserve that. <laughs> it, it's not a really good way. So, the the idea that it, there was sort of this um, sort of insulating layer of sarcasm and humor kind of kind of makes it possible to do this stuff, and then making sure that when he does something, it's more like a spell, you know, that he that he casts, yes. and then it's okay if he gets chopped in half and things like that. So there, those are some very deliberate, creative choices we made. So um, the premise wouldn't become too heavy or too dark. Um so humor I think humor was a big part of that. I, it's funny though. I mean I feel like I feel like it could have done so much better <laughs> with with the humor and part of that's because I've heard all the jokes, you know, 40,000 times of course, now. Of course. Um and and I feel like we it succeeds in some ways still and I feel in other ways I feel like the way the script was uh, written the way we did, um, the cinematics, for instance. Um, I think yeah, the pacing of some of those could have been a little tighter. I feel like some of the, uh, a lot of the jokes don't land. I think super well. I think uh, you know the, the concept of the dad joke. You know, it's it's um, it, it is it is it is uh, them, you know, yeah. <laughs> very very uh, it is very corny humor. Yeah. It is not you know, not 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 necessarily a very sophisticated humor. No, it is not
0: nuance. Most, is not most, yeah, uh, don't, don't look for nuance in this. This regards to its humor. Gameplay, yes, yeah. but not not the humor. I mean, there's one. Yeah, and, and when, I,
1: yeah. Think, I think where the humor is the best is when it is part of the gameplay. I mean, we, yeah. I think uh, my thinking today is the best humor in games is the emergent stuff that happens because of the game, not because somebody wrote a joke. Mm. Um, but yeah, we we did, but we did write jokes. Yeah, <laughs> we wrote very very traditional jokes, and you know, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm I'm I I'm, I'm very fond of the game. I I, I you know, it, it just speaking of myself because I'm just very self-critical. You know, I feel yeah, it would have been better to end up with more, like, to, if we were doing events today, we would have more physics, actual active physics, so you could do crazy stuff. And then stuff that comes out of that might not be expected, but it could be very entertaining, you know, when when, when you have those abilities. We didn't necessarily have those in our toolbox um, back then. So um, I, I look at that, I guess. I mean, um, th- this is a really weird side topic. I'm sorry. But, no, no, no. Um, when 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 when, uh battlefield first came out and i think even pre-youtube people were sharing videos of the exploits where you know they'd have like 20 guys lined up standing on the wings of a plane while it flies along (laughs) you know i mean it looked ridiculous but but it was hilarious or the thing where somebody you know drives a jeep across a stack of landmines and they they rocket 300 feet in the air and when you're playing like a multiplayer match i mean I, i guess what i'm saying is a there's story humor that's intentional and it's based on, you know, the, this thing you craft. And then there's the stuff you don't expect. And, you know, maybe that's more appropriate to a multiplayer game. But, you know, a really great multiplayer match is really funny. <laughs> it, it, it I mean, it'll have those moments that no one expected that that, that were completely emergent. And um, I guess I feel like I, I wish the humor events had more of that little hint of that emergent stuff that, right. that is less predictable and, and also... Um, you know, maybe a little more random than than being just scripted no, no. Uh, humor.
0: But the nature of the game probably didn't lend itself that kind of emergent play. Maybe no, I mean, it
1: was a very linear cool. game, and, and that was obviously by design. So, I mean, like I said, I you know, I, I I look back and I see all the things I'd love to be able to go in and do or rework, and yeah, maybe, maybe someday I will. But, um, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to look at that, but hu- humor as uh, as an actual. Tool and how we had to shape the game to, to keep it light um, and to keep it from, you know, uh, get, getting like an M rating or something <laughs> like that here um, was, was, was key to that. It's amazing what you can get away with if it's all in the spirit of humor, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, like battlefield stories, I could tell you many, which I will not share with the dear audience. Maybe after the show, but oh, God. The things I got up to, oh, dear. I'm not a a proud man on that one. But uh, yeah, let's just say we had a variant called Battle Punish. We'll leave it at that. Uh, (laughs) um, So, uh, the Voodoo Vince, it's out on Windows, PC, and Xbox One, as you've already said. Uh, Windows mm-hmm. PC on Windows 10 the platform also on Steam and uh, also on Xbox One um, and uh, Clayton it's been fantastic having you on you sharing your stories and your your thoughts and, and, and views on Voodoo Vince it's been fantastic Oh well, thank you for having me this, this is really fun I hope you got something out of it I know I did and our audience yeah. did uh, otherwise you wouldn't listen
1: but, I, I felt like it was a good therapy session yeah
0: you're, you're welcome invoices and <laughs> post.
1: just send send me a bill (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, but uh, on that note um, yeah thanks very much thank you and so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory do leave us an iTunes review and you can also don't forget listen to us on stitcher.com so just go to stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us that would be great you can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes and uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer and listen to this show and want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong.com Also, don't forget to check out the Computer Game Show which is the Stablemate podcast shall we say of spong. Hi.
2: phenomenon known to just a few. That voodoo doll, he jumped out some wacky magic brew. And that's not all. Things are getting so strange since he came round. A hoodoo brawl, there's a mystery taking over town. He's just a little fella made of burlap and thread. He looks a little funny with those pins in his head His cause and effect isn't really correct But he still fills the bad guys with dread Vince, the voodoo doll You're gonna feel full when he has lunch A voodoo doll You're gonna feel bad when he goes crunch Against the wall And if he should slip You're gonna take a voodoo fall He's a hero who's just ten inches tall. Vince the Voodoo. Doll.